This is the Tudor's Dynasty Podcast. And now, a brief history. He was the eldest surviving son of Richard and Jaquetta Woodville and brother to Queen Elizabeth Woodville. His name was Anthony. Anthony Woodville was born between 1442 and 1445. And as we've recently learned with his sister Elizabeth, who was born around 1437, his exact birth date was not recorded. Out of the 14 children the Woodville couple had, only 12 survived into adulthood, the other two dying in infancy. At the time of Anthony's birth, the Woodville family were lower gentry, not quite the peasants that they had previously been perceived as. Jaquetta was the eldest daughter of Peter I, the Count of St. Paul, and due to her high status, had first married John, Duke of Bedford, brother to Henry V and regent of France under Henry VI. There is no doubt that this marriage had been made for political reasons. However, John died in 1435, just two years into the marriage, leaving Jaquetta a young widow. Richard Woodville had been a lowly squire in the Duke's household, so this was how he and Jaquetta would have been acquainted. It's not clear whether their relationship started before or after the death of Bedford, but whatever the circumstances, the pair were obviously willing to sacrifice their honor and reputations for love, and they soon married. With such close ties to the royal family at the time, it's no wonder that the Woodvilles had Lancastrian tendencies. Actions by men under the Earl of Warwick made sure the family fought for the Lancastrian cause. In 1460, Richard and Jaquetta, alongside Anthony, were captured in revenge for the seizure of ships owned by Warwick. The family were brought before Warwick himself and the Earl of March, Edward IV's title before he became king the following year. Taunting of the low status of the Woodvilles and Jaquetta's debasing herself with the match was a sign of things to come and a continued dislike between the Woodville family and a powerful magnet. At the Battle of Taunton on the 29th of March, 1461, both Richard and Anthony Woodville fought for the Lancastrians. Following their humiliation at Calais, it's clear why the family wished to fight against the Yorkists. However, the horror witnessed at Taunton would change their perspective. Taunton has since been remembered as the bloodiest battle to have taken place on English soil. The wintry conditions made fighting difficult, and with the wind behind the Yorkist army, their archers had the advantage. After hours of battle, the Lancastrians fell back to the River Cock, a small but deep river. Armor weighed many of them down, and drowned those who had been hacked to death by the Yorkists in the chaos of the ensuing rout. Even today, the site is called Bloody Meadow. It's believed that between 20,000 and 30,000 men were killed. William Paston misreported the death of Anthony, which is not surprising considering the amount of death and destruction that happened that day. As Edward IV had become king following Taunton, the Woodvilles were forced to seek a pardon in order to survive. Following this, the family's allegiance to the crown remained strong. Anthony was part of a force, ironically led by the Earl of Warwick, to besiege Alnwick Castle in Northumberland. It was a military success, something that Anthony would later be able to repeat in his defense of London against the Lancastrian rebels. 
A poem written by the Savior of London wrote of Anthony Woodville that, quote, that gentle night, blessed be the time that he born was. Susan Higginbotham, in her book on the Woodville family, suggests that Anthony had married Elizabeth Scales in the lead-up to Towton. The exact marriage date is unknown, but the couple were certainly married before Anthony's sister Elizabeth secretly married Edward IV in 1464, meaning he was about the only Woodville not to have been given an advantageous marriage following the family's ingratiation into the royal family. If Higginbotham's theory is to be believed, Anthony's early married life was fraught with danger, especially with the misreporting of Anthony's death. His wife would have also been introduced to Anthony's illegitimate daughter, Margaret. She was possibly named after Margaret of Anjou, suggesting that she was born prior to the marriage. Sadly, not much is known about either Elizabeth or their married life together. She was the only surviving child of Thomas, Lord Scales, a friend and brother-in-arms to Anthony's father, Richard. As heiress to the Scales estate, her marriage prospects were good. Her first husband, Henry Borchier, the second son of the Earl of Essex, had died in 1458. Her match with Anthony would also have been advantageous. There's the obvious monetary value in Elizabeth's status as heiress, but Anthony would also provide stability and unity for the two families, who are of similar social rank. There may have been some love, or at least affection, between the pair, but with little known about their marriage, this is uncertain. The only glimpses we have are comments from their time at court, where they were often noted to be in one another's company. In November 1464, they were in King Edward's party at Reading, where they were playing cards together. John Howard lent Elizabeth eight shillings and four pence to play. Elizabeth was also a lady-in-waiting to her sister-in-law, the Queen. During the period of 1466 to 1467, we know she was paid 40 pounds as a lady-in-waiting, the same as the Queen's sister, Anne. Elizabeth died in 1473, while Anthony was on pilgrimage in Spain, one of the many pilgrimages, both in England and abroad, that he undertook during his lifetime. Perhaps this is why the pilgrimage was a profound experience for him, especially as he adapted the pilgrimage shell as his personal symbol from then onwards. Oh, hey, it's Rebecca here. I'm sorry to interrupt the show. I just want to quick do a shout out to all of my patrons. And if you love this show, you want to hear more of it, want to show your support, please consider becoming a patron on Patreon. Just go to patreon.com slash tutors dynasty. Click become a patron to find out more info. We had some cool stuff coming up. So let's get back to the show. As brother-in-law to Edward IV, Anthony enjoyed a privileged status, including many titles and positions bestowed on him by the king, such as Knight of the Garter, Lord of the Isle of Wight, and Lieutenant of Calais. These, alongside his role in diplomatic negotiations, show he was trusted by Edward IV in important military and diplomatic matters. Both of these were used in the infamous Smithfield Tournament, which was fought between Anthony Woodville and Anthony the Bastard of Burgundy the illegitimate brother of Charles the Bold, Duke of Burgundy. The tournament was important for reinforcing an allegiance between the two kingdoms, as Edward IV was planning on marrying his younger sister Margaret to Charles. The tournament had first been suggested in 1465, 
But as the Burgundian Anthony was busy fighting, it was unable to take place until 1467. In the meantime, Anthony, alongside his father Richard, had been chosen as part of the delegation to negotiate the match. The alliance was imperative to consolidating Edward's reign, as he had gained the throne by conquest. The tournament was an important part of the diplomacy. Anthony Woodville, while a devout and pious man, knew how to live at large when it came to a tournament spectacle. Even while staying at the Bishop of Ely's palace in Holborn in the lead-up to the tournament, Woodville's household were known to be full of prayer and godly worship while wearing sumptuous silks and cloth of gold outfits. Anthony had nine horses in total. Each horse was extravagantly dressed in various fabrics, ranging from cloth to gold, velvet, and damask, all richly decorated with gold or furs. However large the spectacle, it did not take away from the seriousness of the fight that was to follow. On the first pass, the lances didn't hit and were replaced with swords. Things went wrong after that. The bastard's horse was spooked and reared, trapping its rider on the ground. He instantly accused Woodville of cheating, but this was due to a previous German squire opponent having hidden daggers in his horse armor. To prove he hadn't cheated, Woodville rode over to Edward IV, showing he had no concealed weapons. Due to the accusations, Edward deemed it necessary to dismiss the knights until the following day. The next day, combat was on foot, using axes. Both men fought hard, and Woodville's axe sliced the bastard of Burgundy's visor. The men still continued to fight, and it was only the intervention of King Edward's men that stopped them from seriously hurting one another. Despite cheating accusations, the tournament still managed to achieve its overall goal of improving Edward IV's popularity, and to help create alliance with Burgundy. This was helped by the successful diplomatic negotiations on the match between Margaret and Charles the Bold, of which Anthony's role in the delegation was vital. No animosity between Anthony and Burgundy was evident, as he was the head of Margaret's household when she went to Burgundy for her marriage. While in Burgundy, either around the time of Margaret's marriage or during his exile with Edward IV's inner circle in 1470, Anthony probably meant William Caxton, the book printer. As a lover of books himself, Anthony would have been interested in the relatively new invention of the printing press. Caxton brought his business to England around 1475 or 1476. His printing shop in Westminster served royalty and nobility who lived and worked at the Palace of Westminster or Parliament. Regardless of when and where Anthony had first met Caxton, there's no denying that Anthony went on to become the best patron Caxton would ever have. Anthony Woodville's relationship with Caxton was a mutually beneficial one. He offered him introductions to Edward IV, as well as those connected to the royal circle in the household of Edward, Prince of Wales. Caxton allowed Anthony to source and translate new texts, which he would then print. The texts produced by Caxton were a moralistic, chivalric, and adventurous nature. This would align with Anthony's own interests as a jousting knight, but also as a pious man of letters. The texts published by Caxton were used for the education of Edward, Prince of Wales. As the governor of the prince's household in Ludlow Castle, Anthony oversaw the young prince's education and it makes sense that he would have utilized Caxton books for this end. Caxton himself confirms this in one of his books. He dedicated the edition to young Edward, specifying that it be used to teach him to read. 
This meant that the translation and publication process, of which Anthony was an integral part, was important for creating material for the Renaissance education of the prince. Upon the death of Edward IV in April 1483, there was a succession crisis. His son, who had been in the care of Anthony and others at Ludlow, was too young to become king. His maternal uncle, Richard, then Duke of Gloucester, as Constable of England, was entitled to protect the young king. With rumors of a Woodville plot, the plan was to meet the entourage accompanying Edward on the journey from Ludlow to London at Northampton. Legend says this instead happened at Stony Stratford, although this was significantly smaller than the county town of Northampton. Richard met Anthony on friendly terms, which is not surprising considering that they had spent many years within Edward IV's inner circle, especially during exile. However, the next day, following the arrival of the Duke of Buckingham, things turned sour. Anthony, his nephew Richard Gray, and Thomas Vaughn, another member of the Ludlow household, were arrested. Their initial fate was imprisonment, and on the 25th of June, 1483, they were all executed at Pontefract Castle. It had been suggested that their bodies were placed into a mass grave. It has been suggested that their bodies were placed into a mass grave. However, there is evidence that a burial was paid for Gray, and a tomb was placed for Vaughn in Westminster Abbey. Little is known about the body of Anthony. However, his will stated he wished to be buried before an image of the Virgin Mary. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Tudor's Dynasty podcast. You can follow and support the Tudor's Dynasty podcast on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Patreon at Tudor's Dynasty.